welcome to the My Curious Colleague podcast with your host, me, Denise Veneri. We'll be talking all things consumer relations with a focus on consumer product goods organizations and the brand specialist and analyst roles and responsibilities. So if you like CPGs, like I like CPGs, marketing, insights, and caring deeply for your consumers, well, take a listen. Well, hello, my curious colleagues. Today's episode is fourth in our series about that intersection between the consumer relations folks with other functional teams in your organization. We'll chat today about how consumer relations professionals can leverage their capabilities to support innovation teams in their organizations, or in this case, working with the vendor. So I am delighted today to have my colleague, Susan Mayer, here to chat with us. Sue is with RTI Innovation Advisors, a consulting group within RTI International that provides innovation services to a wide variety of organizations. As the food and agriculture sector lead, Sue works mostly with companies along the food, agriculture, and CPG supply chains. Prior to working in the innovation space for the last decade, Sue spent many years leading groups in product development, sensory evaluation, and quality systems for food companies, including Campbell Soup, that's where I got to, to know Sue, Orida, Heinz, and CPC Best Foods. She and her husband actually formulate and brew beer. She's got a master's degree in food science from the University of Maryland and is a certified food scientist. She is also an adjunct professor at Rowan University teaching social entrepreneurship. So welcome to the podcast, Sue. Thank you, Denise. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, maybe we can start off with how some CPGs may be structured when it comes to innovation functions versus maybe some other CPGs who may reach out to someone like RTI organization for support. Right. So, you know, the companies use the word innovation in a lot of different ways. And sometimes that word is used in several groups in the organization, um, so there's not a whole lot of rules around this. Um, sometimes the company size, even the age of the company um, and the company role in the supply chain all seem to have some impact on how the word innovation is used. Sometimes the innovation is more of a signal to the outside stakeholders uh, as opposed mm -hmm. to in, in inside stakeholder groups. Uh, there may be an innovation function within product development. There may be another one in marketing maybe in engineering, for the ag companies in the cultivation. Um, or it might be the name of a cross-functional team with multiple groups. So it really does vary. Sorry, I don't have a real like tight answer, but it really does seem to vary, the word innovation, how it's used. Is there some groups that are set up a certain way versus others that might kind of propel them to reach out to you? It doesn't seem to be. Um, it's, you know, it, usually we, we'll have more often companies that or groups that are either in innovation, R&D, uh, breakthrough technology, those sorts of groups tend to reach out to us. Less likely marketing, but sometimes. 
Um, so we, and sometimes processing, but usually, you know, not as much. So really it does kind of vary, but it tends to be more in, I'm going to say sort of the R and D halo. Got it. Got it. What are some of your go-to tools when it comes to, and you shared this with me prior, this, this notion of design thinking for clients? Well, you know, we use design thinking in some way, shape or form, with almost all of our of our clients uh with different projects require different things um but before i get to the tools um the if we think of like what do you what what characterizes design thinking it would be a mindset a process and a set of tools so if we let's start with mindset which would be uh, that mindset is very human centric um highly collaborative across a team and truly believing that each iteration of any idea leads to some sort of learning. Um, the process part can be um, sort of messy up front. You, sometimes you hear that, you know, the fuzzy front end kind of thing where it looks a little bit frantic. There's, but that's because there's lots of iterations, lots of feedback. You don't hold on to an idea for too long and fall in love with it. You go out and get feedback, that type of thing. Which brings us then to the toolkit. It's very broad. And so it, depending upon like what the situation is, would determine what sort of tools you would use. So let's, let's um, well, if you can, take us through one of the tools um, and really break it down for our audience or for myself, actually. Like, sure. who's in the room? Who are those stakeholders? You know, how's the process conducted? What are some examples of some of the inputs coming in from folks and, and the outputs? Sure, sure. Well, you know, it is, it's interesting in that when we work with clients, um, on the innovation side, um, you know, there's some groups that generally aren't in the room. Um, and, and it's because as we start to talk about the connection with the consumer, you know, interestingly, I don't usually see consumer service or customer service who are the ones working with consumers. Right. So I think hmm. there's a real opportunity there. Um, let me walk through a couple of examples and, and we'll kind of get to that. So okay. as an example, we had one client who came to us uh, and they, they were focusing on the technology part. They said, we know about packaging technology. Can you organize everything we know and fill in the gaps of what we should know and we, you know, do, we don't know right now. So they were thinking over here in technology, right? So what we said to them was, instead of thinking about the technology, let's shift the way you think about this and think about what is the job that packaging does for consumers? How does the human, right, the consumer, mm -hmm. how do they relate to that pack, the packaging? And from that sort of little, just that little shift in the mindset, we then took all their information and organized it into buckets, right, on a, on a research map that was based more on things that were related to the human. So it would be things like, from a person, you know, the perspective of the human, what does this package tell me about my product? How do I handle this package? How do I open it? What do I do with it after I open it? Can I recycle it? Can it go back in the refrigerator, right? Can I collapse it? All those types of things. So we organized all their information around how a human would interact with a, with the package. And then from there, we could slot in technologies and, and the spots that we're missing. So, you know, once you start thinking about the challenge from a design perspective, 
perspective, then you need some sort of a process. Okay. So, um, and there's lots of versions of processes. If you go out and look up, you know, you know, look in, in Google design thinking processes, you'll see all sorts of options. They all pretty well work. Um, the two key things are one, there should be an iterative step. So there should be for everything that's moving forward, there should be mm-hmm. a loop going backwards right? To, to learn something and go back to where you were. And then the other key thing is that they should all start with empathy. So it's that first step is really mm. understand your user, um, not to consider, don't, con- you know, the, the first part of design thinking isn't what can I run down the production line I already have? It's what does my user need and what mm-hmm. does my user want? That's, you need to start over there in empathy. Yeah. Hey, I broke the golden rule, I think, when I immediately went to what are the tools Oops. versus thinking thinking about things a little bit <laughs> more human and, and uh, human design centric. You know, this is not the first time I've heard about the human being brought up. I don't know if you listened to Yola Oliver from McDonald's a couple episodes ago, and she was just speaking about the human in such a novel way. It's like, you, you are, we're so into all the technology and the artificial intelligence and it's, and it's like, Hey, Hey, over here, let's not mm-hmm. forget we're dealing with human beings mm-hmm. and you know, you are one yourself. Yeah. So what are some of the challenges in, in innovation that you've been seeing and, and how could the consumer relations team collaborate with you or say, for example, there are internal innovation teams. So some of the challenges, um, people will jump right to the tools and they'll say, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to do something with human centered design, you know, let's do a stakeholder map. And it's like, okay, let's, can we lay out this whole thing? How are you thinking? You know, what do we want to accomplish? What's our process going to be? And then let's pick the right tool. Let's, and sometimes people say, oh yeah, I'm, I love design thinking. You know, I use this and this tool. And then as they talk through it, the mindset isn't fully there. So to really utilize design thinking, you really want all three of those, all three of those pieces. Um, you know, it, that's, so Great. to me, that's, that's like one of the first challenges that we see. Repeat the three pieces again to me. Sure. It's the mindset. Okay. How are you thinking about you know, are you putting that mm-hmm. human first? Are you willing to be iterative, right? It's the process. We don't just jump in. We say first we need to empathize with the consumer, right? And our customer. Mm-hmm. Then we need to define what the problem is, right? And then we're going to come up with some potential solutions and then we'll start to test them. So those are sort of the general flow of a process. And then the tools you would use at each one of those steps will vary depending upon what you're doing. Did I interrupt? I know I interrupted your answer to that question. Are you good? Um, I got the first part. Part is how can the consumer relations team collaborate with, say, someone like yourself or their internal innovations team? So that that empathy part is so critical. And if you think of who in the organization is in a position to empathize with a consumer, I I can't imagine anybody but customer service coming to mind, right? They're, the customer service folks are the ones who really understand what the consumer is saying, right? You know, insights, yes, but the insights will ask usually very focused questions, right? It's, it's sort of different. 
that actual real life user is the one interacting with customer service. So the what I would love to see more of is as customer service is talking to consumers about their experience with the product, capture that and maybe add on a few more questions, add on a little more to understand the experience that the consumer's having. Um, maybe not just directly related to that product, maybe a little bit more if possible, which can then go back and feed the beginning of the innovation process, right? So, you know, little, just little changes in an interview um, could make a, a big difference. Um, I just went through this with my social entrepreneurship class. They had to do an interview where um, saying to them, you know, you you have to go get the empathize with your pe- your consumer and get uncover those unmet needs. And so the the advice I gave them because um, this is you know kids in college and students in college, mm-hmm. and they were going right to the judgment, like what do you think about this, right? And I said to them. Don't ask for the judgment, but get to the story. Mm. Ask Mm -hmm. people, you know, and not just, you know, what do you think about this or that, but rather tell me about a time that you and your family did this or that, or who else do you think would be, you know, using this product and how might they use it, right? That kind of thing would collect that information and then I'll give you an example of another tool. If you collect that information and then instead of having one long interview per person, you switch it and you take pieces of that interview, turn it into small little snippets of contextual information and sort of capture it on, you know, like, like in a sticky note on a big board and put lots of these together and then start to look for the themes that come out. We call that an affinity map. And it's a great way to look across lots of, um, you know, pieces of information. Um, yeah, I think customer service is really well suited. I mean, they sort of already have the warm up question, right? They're already talking to, with the with the customer, and then it's just sort of if the customer's ready, you know, and interested, having a little more of a conversation. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great opportunity for consumer relations because, as, as we've talked about in my experience, mostly, you know, I'll call it you call it the interview, the surveys are largely about the product related, right? So maybe it's a uh, perceived, maybe it's a perceived dissatisfaction with the product that the marketers Mm -hmm. could not anticipate, or it's a new way to prep or prepare the product. And there Mm -hmm. seems to be some confusion there. So typically it's, it's, it's kind of focused. So this would be a little switch up where you maybe take care of that and get those learnings and then and then add to it and open it up to some of those questions mm-hmm. that you uh, that you shared. It it may require a bit more training with the brand ambassador, but I think that can be easily you know that close the loop on that with some training, um, and yeah, and some some guidance. And it um, also needs to be the whole process needs to be in place, right? So yeah, if you do the effort, if you do that work and collect it, there has to be folks who were willing to then and interested in and see the value in bringing that back to the beginning of the process. So it might be the type of thing we've seen this happen with some companies where you want to include something new. So maybe you do it for a smaller brand, 
right? Mm. A, a list, you know, like let's it. And that's what design thinking is, right? You try something, you go out there, see how it works, make some changes and try it again. So work on that whole process and how it would feed, you know, the, the full pro the full innovation process, um, on a little bit of, a little bit of trial and error, little, give it a shot and and then, and learn from it and and adjust. So you do realize that this information that comes in, it's, it is, incoming data that is qualitative at best and typically does not represent the U.S. population. So is, is it still helpful to, to this design process thinking then, if I oh, just sort of emphasize that? Absolutely. Because you're getting, at, at this point, it's still qualitative. You're using it to generate some hypotheses, to think about, to get, start to understand what might be happening. Right. And if it's happening with one part of the population, but not with another, you, you don't know. But maybe as you put those affinity maps together and you see people are having a hard time opening up a container. Right. Then you might say, look at that and say, well, how might we understand if this experience is similar across other population segments? Um, and by the way, that statement starter of how might we is, is another tool. Um, it was actually featured that how might we as a statement mm-hmm. starter. It's in a, uh, there's a great article from Harvard Business Review 2015 uh, talking about the power of that statement, how might we. Um, so it's, yeah. yeah. So you you see over the years, I mean, design thinking has been around for, for decades. So you see it, you know, peppered around here and there as well. Yeah. So what I love about this podcast is it gives me an opportunity to reach out to old friends um, and colleagues to hear what they are up to. So you um, are doing some new things, as I said, up at the top. Tell me a little bit more about what you're doing at RTI. Right. So RTI, my group is Innovation Advisors. The Institute is a 6,000 person research institute based in North Carolina. So we're which is kind of interesting because we're very technology and science focused. Yet I'm here talking about, you know, not the technology side, but the human centered side. So mm-hmm. um, we do a lot of, we, we work in all, all sorts of areas. And, and within our group, within Innovation Advisors, we do just a, a wide range of things on strategy, insights, commercialization. And very often the projects like the ones I described, you start there with a, you know, who is, who is the, human involved and how do you think about it from from their perspective great how could people get in touch with you if they wanted to learn a little bit more about rti and what you're up to we've got a um well one linkedin is a great way you can you can follow rti innovation advisors on linkedin that we're Mm -hmm. pretty heavily on there uh we have a website rti um, innovationadvisors.org it's an org because we're a nonprofit. Right. Uh, so that's a few ways to kind of catch up on what we're doing. Perfect. Thank you for sharing that. So I'm going to ask you now to look into your crystal ball and see if um, there's anything there that you can share about trends regarding problem solving or design thinking or even consumer relations in the future. I think that because there are so many more people coming out with degrees, even whether it's a major or a minor in design and sort of coming into the workforce with this mindset that I think we will see this mindset more pervasive in organizations moving forward, which once you've got the mindset in place, the process and tools sometimes are the easier parts, right? Hmm. It's that changing the mindset that, um, that, that makes a difference. So I think we'll see that. 
I, I, I would love to see more companies take that consumer response piece and that interaction with consumers and link that back to the beginning mm. of the, um, of the innovation process. Uh, I think that would be, would be really helpful. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on with entrepreneurs, a lot of small startups, which are all very, uh, very much based in design thinking principles. Um, so I think uh, we will be seeing more design thinking in the future. Very cool. So I ask all my guests a question towards the end. If you have a volunteer group that you'd like to give a shout out to. Well, it's funny because my class, social entrepreneurship, one of the things we talk about is um, effective altruism about how a dollar, mm -hmm. if you have a dollar to spend, if you spend it in certain parts of the world, you'll get more utilization out of it. Um, however, I am a big fan of very local organizations. So your local food bank or your local animal rescue or, you know, other community organizations. We just got hit by a tornado in our town the first of September. And uh, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot going on to try to rebuild our infrastructure. And, uh, you know, so I think that that's, you know, to me, I'm, I'm more of a fan of local. The other thing I think is important is to figure out, is, is what you need to give and what people need from you. Is it your time or is it your money? Right. Mm. So it's sort of, you know, balancing those two with, with, uh, with what works for everyone. So that's, you know, I guess everybody's local is going to be different, but that's kind of the way yeah. I approach it. Love that. Well, we are at the end of our chat, Sue. Um, just want to say thank you so much for well, chatting with me on the podcast. Appreciate it. This was great. I, I loved thinking through this. This was, uh, you know, and sharing some thoughts. So thank you. If you've learned even a kernel of an idea or was inspired by this episode, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcast. Be sure to share out the hashtag CPGCX because CPGCX really and truly rocks. You have been listening to the My Curious Colleague podcast with Denise Veneri. Thank you for your time.